Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM at 1160 AM. Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the extended version of Inside Sources in our new time slot, 11 to noon, uh, following Dave and Deb every day, and here to break it all down for you to help you make sense of the news and uh, get you what's really going on uh, locally and nationally. And we've got a lot of ground to cover on this edition of Inside Sources, and uh, so we're going to get right on to it. Uh, Very pleased to be joined on uh, our line today. Uh, by someone who uh, has just made a really important announcement. We just we just wrapped up the election last night, and it's Wednesday morning, and uh, we have a uh, an announcement uh, about a candidate for Congress. So very pleased to be joined by Burgess Owens. Burgess, thanks for joining us on Inside Sources today. Boy, my pleasure. Looking forward to this, and looking forward to the opportunity to to serve. Uh, my great state of Utah in a more important fashion, for sure. All right. So you just made a, a, a big announcement this morning. So tell us exactly what uh, what you're going after here. We're running running for uh, for the uh, fourth district um, and uh, and House of Representatives, and it's a, it's a very important feat because what it does it allows uh, Utah to actually share the values that we have enjoyed here that we experience as being so. So close to the top and so many different things to have a chance to share our values now with D.C. And I look forward to, to being a, a representative and to, 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 to encourage that value to be shared elsewhere. Okay, so Burgess Owens has announced that he will run for the fourth congressional seat currently occupied by Representative Ben McAdams. There's a number of other Republicans in that primary race going on. Uh, Burgess, for for those of our listeners who may not be as familiar with you, you uh, obviously had a storied uh, career in the National Football League. Uh, with the uh, the Raiders, and uh, you've uh, we see you regularly on a, a host of different uh, cable news networks talking about the principles of freedom. Uh, give people a little a little backstory. How did you actually end up here in Utah? Well, it's, it's interesting because I sent uh, we have uh, six children. We sent them all out to, to go to school out here, and and uh, I had no idea that when I made that deal that they'd come out at least start their school, uh, college in, in Utah, I didn't know that they were not going to come back home. So when I realized that about seven years ago in Philadelphia, I decided to join them. This was the best decision I've ever made in my life. And I love being in the Valley. It's, uh, it's a place that echoes my, um, uh, my my values, my principles, so I feel right at home here. And it gives me actually a recharge when I go out to talk elsewhere across our nation that uh, what, what really works. Uh, when we focus on education, we focus on God, we focus on 
uh, industry, self-reliance, and folks in the family. It works no matter what uh, what race or culture or background. Uh, that's the American way. And I love being in the Valley where I can see it in every single day of my life. So I look forward to again sharing uh, those values, uh, the, the, the confidence we have in the American way. Make sure we get our country back and uh, track with that. All right. If you're just joining us, Burgess Owens just announced that he will be joining the uh, race for Utah's fourth congressional seat. Uh, Burgess, in in a lot of your work, you you mentioned you've traveled across the country. I know you speak to a lot of uh, of youth groups. Uh, I, in fact, I happen to know you were uh, down at the uh, Reagan Ranch Center. My uh, daughter Sarah works down there, and you were speaking to uh, a group of young people that included my son Will. Uh, as you're talking to these uh, these young people across the country, what is your message to them, and how are you going to get them to fully, really engage in this process? What a good question, Boyd. Um, because the message that I give to our kids is the same message I grew up with in my household. That is, this, we live in the greatest country in the history of mankind. That uh, it's the place of second chances, the place of, uh, of hope and opportunity. All we have to do is learn, first of all, to educate ourselves, learn to serve others and love others, and see each other inside out, not outside in, uh, and, and understand our great history. Uh, what, what we have to fight against more than anything today is our history is not being taught to our kids. If we did know what we the people have done together, we'd be so proud of our lineage. We'd be so proud of, of, uh, of the, the, the progress we've made. Because nowhere in the history of, of, our, of the country, of, of mankind, is there such freedom and opportunity for everyone who lives here. So my message is be proud to be an American. Uh, understand what's made our country great. Learn the tenets, fight for the tenets, and it is a fight. Uh, we, we can't walk, you know, passively go through this process of living our lives and not know that our country is at risk. So let's educate ourselves. Let's get back to, to standing strong for God and not be ashamed uh, that He's given us great uh, blessings and we need to fight for Him. Let's work. Let's work like no one else around us. Work harder than the next guy. And let's realize that our family unit, uh, with, with mom and dad respecting each other, having a, a vision for their kids, and our kids learn to respect mom and dad, that in that family unit we'll learn how to, to uh, work with each other, to serve each other as a country. You've been a uh, a real advocate of of that sense of community and people really coming together around these conservative principles uh, to lift everyone up. You uh, you wrote a a very compelling piece in the Wall Street Journal and then testified before Congress uh, around the minority communities, African American communities, and saying that this is not about going after reparations, but we really need to go to reclaim those principles. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes. Uh, and again, I grew up during an era, I was very, very blessed, uh, boy, to grow up in the 60s. It was KKK, Jim Crow, uh, uh, segregation. But in a community that was so proud, so, uh, entrepreneurial, so successful. And this was across the country when our, when our, uh, when our race was actually one of the most competitive races in our nation. But I saw what it was to live the American dream. I also can understand that we all face obstacles. We all face those who will doubt. And I learned within my home, within my community, if those who doubt you use this work harder to prove them wrong. So we're in a place now that we can no longer afford to let the other side divide us. Uh, it's not about black and white, tall and short, rich and poor. It's about we, the people, uh, that we have the character inside to make sure that, uh, that we're not only appreciating what we're doing, but serve each other and then fight for the culture that's given us so much uh, of an opportunity. I'm just proud to, again, to now be an American. We're so proud to be a Utahan. And this opportunity, this little window, I never thought I'd be a politician, never, ever, never, never thought it would be. But this little window gives me a chance to show the rest of the country how a great state like Utah does it. We yeah. do it right. We'll, we'll continue improving. We're not perfect. But we do understand 
what it is to, to be a power to we the people and allow us to, to do the very best we can with our families, our kids, and, and, our, and, our, and our particular state. Yeah, that's fantastic. Again, if you're just joining us, we've got Burgess Owens uh, for uh, an exclusive first interview after his announcement that he is joining the race for the 4th Congressional District here in the state of Utah. Uh, Burgess, we have just a couple minutes left, but I want to hit two questions for you. First, uh, you a lot of a lot of Utahns recognize you from your your football days, uh, both as a member of the uh, world champion uh, uh, Oakland Raiders. Uh, but you also had a, a really important moment. You were just the uh, the third African American to get a scholarship at the University of Miami, a very rich uh, football school uh, that that many of us uh, have followed over the years. Uh, what did that mean to you? Again, growing up in Tallahassee, growing up in that area, uh, to then become a scholarship player at the University of Miami? Well, it shows that uh, if you're taught right, you're taught to overcome, you're taught to out, 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 outwork and overcome those obstacles, that there's no limitations to live in this country. Um, the, the, the benefit of me living or uh, working with, uh, uh, playing with the Raiders, I mean, I'm sorry, with the, uh, the Miami Hurricanes back when they were losing, with the Jets when they were losing, is I understand what it is to, uh, and I embrace being an underdog. As we enter this this process, uh, this this race, I know that right now I am, and I love that. And I also understand the power of hustle. Um, I love to serve. I love to hustle. I cannot wait to meet other Utahns who have not yet had a chance to meet me to ask ask those questions and see how I can bring value to their lives, uh, just representing uh, them in D.C. So this, this to me, uh, my life, I think, just represents how great our country can be if you just do the do the very best. You know, stand up when you uh, when you make when you fall, you fail. You know, repent and ask forgiveness when you met when you mess up, and and just move forward and do the do the very best you can be. And in the process of doing that as a country, as individuals, our country wins in a big, big way. Okay. And final question for you. This is uh, when I was chief of staff, I was sort of the gatekeeper uh, as people would come around. And, of course, a lot of people would want an endorsement from a United States senator. Uh, and so I have to ask you the question I, I always ask, uh, because this will obviously be a hard-fought race. You've you've got big competition on the Republican side, and obviously Representative McAdams has the power of incumbency and, and all that goes with that. Uh, and so the, the question is is this. Uh, what knowing this is going to be hard, knowing this is going to be difficult and and at times very unpleasant, what is it that is going to make all of this worth it over the next three hundred and sixty five days, even if you go through and uh, and you don't come out uh, on the victor side on this one? What's going to make it worth it, even if you lose? You you, you nailed it. You that's a good question because at the end of the day, I entered this just with that thought in mind. I'm going to do my very best, and, and, and either either way, it ends up. The most important thing is that we get our seat back. We get that that Republican seat back, so that that that, uh, that our party is represented, our values are represented in this seat. We need to do that first. Uh, and the other part is that uh, if I could do one thing, and that is help to unify our state and our country by letting Democrats, Republicans, and and um, uh, and, and uh, independents recognize that we can all come together with heart, hand, home, heart, hand. Uh, home uh, and uh, head, heart, hands, and home. We can come together and knowing that we can educate our kids, that we can get back to understanding God and, and, and lean toward Him to uh, make sure we're enterprising and that our family works. Good people love our country, resonate. They pull to, to those to those four tenets. We can focus on that, not not, not not politicians, not parties. Then we can find a way to get our country back to the greatness that it was designed to be from the beginning. Okay, fantastic. And that's former NFL star and Utah. 
Burgess Owens has announced today that he is joining the race for Utah's 4th Congressional District. So congratulations on getting in the race. I'm sure we'll have uh, plenty of good conversations in the uh, 364 days ahead of us as we march towards 2020. Burgess, congratulations and good luck. Thank you, boy, and it's been a pleasure meeting your family, buddy. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All the best. All right. Again, that's Burgess Owens uh, breaking right here on Inside Sources today. First interview for him as a candidate for Utah's fourth congressional seat. We'll go ahead and step aside. When we come back, we'll pick up on the results from yesterday. What happened? What happens next? And where does the country go? Stay with us. This is Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us on KSL's Inside Sources. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Side Sources. Welcome back, everyone. This is Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Great to be with you today on the first Wednesday of November. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in our final segment today, so make sure you hang around for that at 11.50. Uh, We're going to talk about the significance of first Wednesdays. We often uh, really zero in on the first Tuesday of November uh, as the uh, big election day and the important day for the country. Uh, But I'm going to make the case that what we should really be focused on is the first Wednesday. Find out why. Stay with us at 11.50 today. Uh, I want to do a quick breakdown from yesterday. And and as always, we want to have uh, you weigh in on uh, what you're thinking, what you're sensing and feeling out there. You can always do that on the Utah Community Credit Union text line. That's 57500. Again, Utah Community Credit Union text line 57500. Let us know what's on your mind, what's happening uh, as you think about the things we're talking about today. Uh, You can also leave a uh, voicemail message for us at 801-575-7668. Always interested in what's on your mind and what you're learning, what you're thinking uh, as we continue to elevate the dialogue here on Inside Sources. So I want to hit a a couple of things as we come out of the first Tuesday of November. Uh, It's so, uh, so easy to focus on the results and what happened, what didn't happen, what's the messages being sent. Uh, We're going to talk coming up here at the bottom of the hour with James Walner. He is my ultimate inside source for all things Washington, particularly in the United States Senate. So we're going to talk about what comes out of all of this, what happens in the Senate starting next week. We've got a looming uh, government shutdown that nobody's really talking about. We have impeachment proceedings that uh, uh, we'll we'll have our first uh, public impeachment hearing beginning next week. Uh, This was just announced, breaking news, uh, that the Democrats' first witness will be Bill Taylor. Uh, George Kent and then Mary uh, Yovanovitch uh, will all uh, appear before Congress next week in an open hearing uh, before the the public. So we'll see what that looks like, how that plays out. Uh, So stay with us at the bottom of the hour. We'll be joined by James Walner live from Washington, D.C., talking about how that all plays out. So I think one of the uh, the big challenges we're looking at from yesterday. uh, Let's start here locally. Obviously, the uh, the Salt Lake uh, City mayor's race. Uh, is still yet to be decided, although the the lead for uh, Aaron Mendenhall is significant. Uh, It would take a a real landslide in the remaining ballots to be counted. A lot came in. Uh, Sherry Swenton was on earlier uh, with Dave and Dejanovic uh, talking about all the ballots that came in late yesterday. 
and how many of those need to be counted. There will be a uh, a dump, I believe, tomorrow at 3 p.m., and I don't think we'll see any kind of concessions or uh, any real movement on anything until we get to that uh, data dump tomorrow at 3 p.m. Uh, locally here. Uh, and I think most of the races will have a pretty good indicator by by that point. Uh, I did want to go back to this idea. You know, so many people have fallen into the apathetic framing of my vote doesn't really matter. And that is the biggest myth on the planet. Uh, every vote matters. And it doesn't matter what district you're in. It doesn't matter what state you're in. Uh, it, it does matter. And exercising that right to vote is one of the most important things that we do. Uh, we had a great conversation yesterday. If you missed yesterday's uh, uh, broadcast, you can go and, and listen to the podcast of that on ksl.com. Uh, we had uh, Jenny Taylor on, and she talked about uh, her late husband, uh, Major Brent Taylor. And what he took great pride in was watching these people in places like Afghanistan uh, actually exercise their right to vote. Uh, and we have so many around the world who are fighting so that all can can be free to have that opportunity to cast a vote, to have their voice heard, to have representative government uh, is, is such a significant thing. So when people say, ah, you know, I live in this district and so, you know, I don't really fit the mold of the district, so my vote doesn't really count. Uh, that's just uh, a really good justification for staying home. And there is no justification for staying home. Let me give you an example uh, just from last night, uh, you have the uh, Brighton uh, Brighton electing its very first mayor. And currently, uh, the difference between the two candidates, Daniel Knopp and uh, Don Despain, is a whopping five votes. That's the difference. So if you're going to make the case to me that your vote doesn't matter, sorry, not buying that on a Wednesday morning here at KSL. Uh, we are not buying that. Five votes is is all the difference uh, right there. There's other races where it's 35 votes, 17 votes. So every vote does matter. And we'll continue to monitor and watch uh, all the results as they continue to come in uh, from around the state. Again, a lot of these local races these are the ones that impact your day-to-day living. They impact your neighborhood, your schools, your community rec centers, uh, all of those things uh, that that really play out. Um, we're going to go ahead and um, – actually, now I think we'll skip the audio. We had a little bit of audio uh, from earlier in the day, but I think we've covered that pretty well. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take our bottom-of-the-hour break. Uh, when we come back, we'll be joined by James Walner live from Washington, D.C. We're going to talk about uh, what happened nationally last night, what that means. We'll look forward to the big battles that are going to happen in Washington starting next week. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. We'll be right back. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Great to be with you on the first Wednesday of November. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more coming up at 1150. So don't go anywhere. Uh, Very pleased to be joined right now from my favorite inside source from Washington, D.C. and all things United States Senate. Uh, We've got James Walner on the line. James, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, as always. It's a pleasure. Uh, first, I want to get just a, a a quick take from you. A lot of people are trying to read a lot into uh, what happened in Kentucky, uh, in particular what happened in Virginia. 
Uh, as you look at the tea leaves on the first Wednesday of November in 2019, uh, what what catches your eye today? I mean, I'm not sure I fully understand yet. I think we need to resist jumping to conclusions, to premature conclusions. I think we need to fully understand both the national implications and the local and state implications. For those of us who don't live in Virginia, or Kentucky, it's hard to fathom that these are races for state offices and places and jurisdictions that have stories and events and challenges all of their own. And so these races bring a lot to them immediately, and it could look like to be they are a repudiation of Trump, but that may only be in part. It may be they're also a repudiation of what has been happening on the ground in those states. Yeah, no, no question at all, and I and I uh, completely agree. One of the things that, uh, again, as a lot in the national media have, have tried to make this a referendum on Trump uh, and the president and and his policies and so on. Uh, I think, particularly in a place like Kentucky, where you have Matt Bevan, who who just six years ago uh, did the ultimate no no in Kentucky and and took on Mitch McConnell in a Senate race that was very divisive. Uh, so I don't know that uh, Governor Bevan ever even really had the full support of his own party uh, rolling in. And, and these off-off-year elections, uh, to me, seem like they are much more about personality. They're about strategy, structure, and disciplines on the ground, much more than they are any kind of uh, national signal, uh, from my perspective. That, that's absolutely correct. And you mentioned Bevan and McConnell. There's a very long history there. Uh, McConnell was not very happy when Bevan uh, primaried him. Apparently, that's not something you do in a fully functioning, <laughs> healthy democratic society. But uh, so be it. He did it. And and, it, and you're right. The party was divided. So it's not so much that it's a repudiation of the of the Republican Party or anything else. It could be that the Republican Party was divided on Matt Bevan. Right. Yeah. The party doesn't know how it wants to proceed. So you also have that layer. And you have in the job of us trying to understand the day after what happened is to untangle all of these different threads, untangle them all, and try to understand and attribute significance to each one of them. Yeah, absolutely. If you're just joining us, we've got James Walner on the line from Washington, D.C., my favorite D.C. inside source. Uh, and I want to shift gears now uh, away from our first Tuesday, first Wednesday conversation and, and get to next week. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to really project out uh, far into the distant future here, very uncertain. Uh, we've, we just have reports coming out that the first public hearings as it relates to uh, the impeachment inquiry will begin next week. Uh, so I want to get your take on that. I know you just wrote a, a real great piece uh, that uh, is on the the great anchor, also appeared in the Washington Examiner this week. Uh, I want to start there, and then I want to I want to make sure we have a little minute or two to talk about uh, what it means in terms of government shutdown and funding. So uh, start what we should what should we know? Let's let's just assume for a moment that the House is going to ramrod this portion of the program through. They're going to have articles of impeachment. They're going to toss it over the wall to the Senate. What should people be thinking about as it relates to what could happen or should happen in the United States Senate? Well, I think the first thing to keep in mind is that nothing is a foregone conclusion. This is a process. And if the House had the votes to impeach the president, they would have already voted to impeach the president. Mm. And the process, as it unfolds, informs where those votes will ultimately fall. But if they do go forward with it, and it does go to the Senate, I'm not sure that it's the end of the world. It doesn't strike me as it's the end of the world. If you're um, a a Trump supporter, if you're an ardent uh, Republican, if you worry about the country and you want Republicans to remain in charge, simply because it's unlikely as of now, knowing what we know, that the president will be 
convicted in the Senate. There's a high threshold, a two-thirds vote right. threshold, to, uh, to convict the president in the Senate. So if you go forward with the trial and he doesn't reach that, the, the vote doesn't reach that threshold, he's acquitted. But we have some Republicans talking about, well, we need to somehow dismiss this trial. We need to get rid of it very quickly. But that seems to be the wrong approach, in my opinion, because it leaves this cloud of suspicion over the whole thing. Whereas what better way to clear your name? What better way to get the American people on your side than through a trial that airs the facts and lets people see what they are and lets the chips fall where they may? The worst thing that could possibly happen is that more stuff comes out if you're, say, President Trump. And he is convicted. But that's precisely how the system's meant to work. Yeah, I think that's so important. Uh, if if you want to do a, a deep dive read today that is uh, very informative, very enlightening, uh, go to thegreatanchor.com. Uh, the title of the article is The Senate Shouldn't Cut an Impeachment Trial Short. Uh, and I want to hit uh, just for a second, James, you have this awesome quote. Uh, anytime you can throw in an Alexander <laughs> Hamilton quote and a Federalist 65 notation in there, uh, I love that. But in your article, you, you wrote that the Senate was chosen to serve as the court of impeachment because its members were endowed with the necessary courage and possessed the credit and authority needed for the execution of so difficult a task. Uh Love that. Uh, do we still have that in the United States Senate? Do we have the necessary courage? And uh, do we have senators from, on both sides of the aisle that possess the right credit and authority needed to execute so difficult a task? I, I think we do have some senators on both sides of the aisle who do possess those qualities, but they're few and far between. And I think the challenge today that we see uh, with the Senate and the predicament that it is currently in is that they are far outnumbered by senators who do not possess those qualities. And when that happens, the Senate cannot be the Senate the way it was designed to function. And that's uh, and that is such an important point. Again, as we're on a first Wednesday of November, uh, looking at it, it is a we the people problem as much as anything. If we uh, if we sent incumbents back at the the rate of ninety to ninety four percent every election cycle. Uh, and we're sending back those who don't have that courage uh, or don't have that kind of conviction to run the process the way it was designed to either short circuit it, try to dismiss uh, or uh, just try to ramrod it through in terms of a conviction. Uh, neither of those served the American people really well. Uh, James, I want to give you just a, a minute uh, because you're one of those people who actually worries about debt and deficits and, and spending in this country. Uh, we, we've got a looming government shutdown that nobody's talking about. And uh, what happens next week uh, in the Senate as it relates to all of this? You know, it's, it's funny you should mention that deficits are climbing again. It looks like we're back to where we were when uh, the Republican Party was up in arms about deficits uh, during the Obama presidency, where trillion-plus dollar deficits uh, are, are forecast on the horizon now. And it seems like the best thing that the members of both parties could do is just to keep passing bills to keep our head right above water, to keep accruing these deficits. But, and I fully expect that to happen uh, next week. What's interesting to me is, one, the border wall and, mm-hmm. and the fact that they're not going to adjudicate that issue. And then number two, and, and James Madison, Alexander Hamilton's uh, fellow writer, co-author on the Federalist Papers, wrote in Federalist 58 that the power of the purse is the most powerful. That is the the best weapon that a people can give their representatives. And you have on one side, you have representatives saying that the impeachment process is illegitimate, 
and shouldn't move forward. I disagree with that view, but you have the president and some others saying that. Yet they're not urging an effort to defund the impeachment process. On the other side, you have Democrats saying, why aren't the president's uh, administration officials cooperating more? Why, you know, they just subpoenaed Mick Mulvaney. Well, they have a funding bill here. This is a great opportunity to force the president. If the House doesn't pass a bill, nothing gets funded. Right. They don't concur. If they don't start the process, nothing happens. And so why is it, should we question the sincerity of their convictions when they say that this is something that shakes the republic to the core? Yet they're unwilling to use the powers that they have, like the power of the purse, to say fund impeachment, to fund the impeachment inquiry, to force the administration officials to to comply with the subpoenas. And look, there will be a big dispute, but that dispute will then raise the conflict. It will invite the American people in. They can take stock of it and they can decide which side is right and which side is wrong or maybe a mix of both. And then they can tell their officials in no uncertain terms how to move forward. And then we resolve all of these fights, and then we can kind of move on, and we can kind of keep keep negotiating and adjudicating the issues that the American people want to see negotiated and adjudicated in Washington. But we're not doing any of that. There's no agency on Capitol Hill. It's always somebody else's fault. That's right. A lot of shoulders shrugging, not a lot of shoulders squaring going on back there. James Walner, thanks so much as always. We're going to have you back next week and do a little deeper dive on uh, what is falling out there in Washington. Always appreciate your insight. Well, I look forward to it. Thanks for having me. All right. Again, James Walner, columnist from Washington, D.C., uh, my ultimate inside source back there. Uh, and as you can see, he knows what's going on in the Senate, uh, what's going on on Capitol Hill. And those are important conversations. And we'll continue to break those down here on Inside Sources. We'll go ahead and step aside. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're going to get past the first Tuesday of November. And I'm going to tell you why the most important day in this country is the first Wednesday of November. Don't go anywhere. This is Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. Final segment of Inside Sources. Now, uh, we follow Dave and Dejanovic every day from uh, 11 to 12. It's great to be with you uh, on the first Wednesday of November. And that's where I want to spend our final moments uh, in our segment today. Uh, is talking about that. You know, we we often focus on the first Tuesday of November being the big vote day. And uh, amazingly, uh, many uh, countdown clocks have already begun uh, for 2020. We are 364 days away from the first uh, Tuesday of November 2020. Uh, and we know that's going to be a, a bitter battle. There's going to be a lot of divisive rhetoric going on. Uh, and a lot of challenges as we move through the next 364 days. Uh, But what I want everyone to focus on today is after you've done your duty and you have voted on the first Tuesday of November, then I want you to focus on the first Wednesday of November. And this is why. Uh, I actually remember back in in 2018 uh, during the midterms, uh, there were so many attack ads, so many social media meltdowns, 24-7 coverage, uh, I mean, it was like a 10-car pileup out there on I-15, uh, and it was like in, in one of those movies, you know, where the action film, and then suddenly, you know, you have this big pileup of cars, the screen goes black, uh, and then you have this echo of the uh, the rolling hubcap <laughs> going away from the crash, uh, and I think we all kind of felt that coming out of 2018, uh, and I think a lot of us are bracing for impact as we go into 2020, uh, but this is what's going to happen. Uh, as we come away from that uh, a year from today, on the first Wednesday of November, the country's going to exhale. And by that point, 
we'll we'll wake up pretty exhausted and exasperated i'm i'm sure as a nation but we'll wake up and it'll be wednesday morning and i've said this for a number of years that as critical as the first tuesday of november is to our country america is always driven by the first wednesday of november uh, and i've been saying this for a couple of election cycles now that uh, knowing that the answers to to what really ails this country are not going to be found in Washington, D.C., as James Walner just uh, shared with us. Uh, they're going to be found in our homes. They're going to be found in our neighborhoods right here in Utah. Uh, this It's in the cities. It's in the counties. It's in our neighborhoods. Uh, we have great things going on here in Utah because we have a great free market economy and we have strong institutions of civil society with neighborhoods and community-driven solutions that really make a difference. And so what you have to think about is that the first Tuesday of November is always focused on power and control, winners and losers. And that actually distracts us from the more important conversations we should be having. Uh, both sides of the political aisle are, are guilty on this one. They, you know, they, they race around breathlessly declaring, you know, that if the opponent wins, Armageddon's on the way. Grandma's going to be pushed off the cliff. The children are going to be doomed to destruction. All of the parade of horribles uh, is going to take place. And it, it's like we've forgotten our history. You know, our, our country has survived some pretty fierce division in the past. Some pretty hotly contested elections have happened in our nation's history. We need to remember that. And, and despite all the noise and the negative chatter out there, all the flailing political consultants who are uh, drumming things up on uh, national cable news, Wednesday morning always comes in America and the country moves on. And the way I like to look at it is this. Uh, America is filled, our history is filled with Wednesday morning moments. And whether that was after a, a, a big war, social strife, a scandal at the highest level of government, 9-11, riots, mass shootings, contested elections, morning always comes. And the reason it comes is because the American people make it come. And we make it come because we believe the best is yet to come. And we believe that we can make a difference in what does come. And we need to remember that. So despite all of the drumbeat out there and all the moaning of how divided and angry we are as a nation, uh, I'm convinced, I am convinced that the American people are starving for some elevated dialogue. Uh, they want to talk about big ideas, bold ideas. Uh, they want to find hope in in the kind of heroes we have right here in Utah. Heroes that are really worthy of emulation. And so, again, if we look back to some of those Wednesday mornings in our history, uh, one that always stands out to me uh, is Abraham Lincoln at Gettysburg. And he talked about those, and we'll do this as we get into uh, Veterans Day next week, uh, those that gave the last full measure of devotion. And we talk about that, we celebrate that, we honor that. But we often miss, we often miss what Lincoln said immediately after he talked about giving that last full measure of devotion. He made a pivot. He made a pivot to us today in America. He, he talked about it in terms of our, our better angels. And then listen to this. He wasn't talking about those that had died. Those, those folks already passed their test. They stood strong for freedom. He said, it is for us, the living. He then said that we be here dedicated, that we take increased devotion, and above all, that we here highly resolve. 
Uh, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. So Lincoln recognized that those he honored that singular Wednesday morning in Gettysburg, they they had passed the test, and now it was up to us. What are we going to do with our Wednesday morning moments? So we've got to be highly resolved. We have to look at the things that we actually care about. Uh, we have to take increased devotion to the principles that have fostered the greatest civilization the world's ever known. We've got to be so dedicated to the unfinished work and the task before us as a nation. We have to be as highly resolved to the cause of freedom as those who have gone before. That's the question. And the answer to those questions will really determine where we go as a country. So as I said before, on the first Tuesday of November, it is always incumbent upon us to show up, to vote, to make our voice heard. It makes a difference. And then regardless of whether the candidates we wanted to win, win or lose, uh, we should be thankful for the right to vote, to raise our voice and to vote our values. And then the most important thing after that, then we need to remember that the real strength in the nation lies in the people in our neighborhoods, in our homes, in our families, and in our communities. And that's why in America, Wednesday morning always comes. And it's Wednesday morning that matters most. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. Great to be with you on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. And as always, as you head out into the world today, see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something that makes a difference. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.